You know, in our Christmas series entitled Deck the Halls, we've been looking at ways that we can celebrate the birth of Christ, not only with decorations and ornaments, but also looking at how we can celebrate His birth by ways that we might be different this Christmas. We began by decking our halls with thankful singing to the Lord and generous sharing with the less fortunate, but also obediently serving other people. And then things got a little bit more difficult because we began decking the halls with things like obedience to God. That can be downright tough, right? And then also decking our halls with transformation by God. That can be especially difficult. But today, our Christmas celebration becomes a little more natural, if you will, as we deck the halls with worship. How many of you know that everybody was created to worship? It is natural for people to worship. And all people worship something or someone. They may worship their spouse. They may worship their children. They may worship success. They may worship themselves. They may worship celebrities. In fact, I read where after buying a new home, Tom Cruise and his then-wife Katie Holmes were arguing about money, of all things, right? Well, Tom says, well, listen, if it weren't for my money, this house wouldn't be here. And Katie said back to him, well, honey, if it weren't for your money, I wouldn't be here either. To many people, celebrities have kind of become like gods. I mean, think about it. Whether they're doing something good or bad, it seems like celebrities are always in the news. They even have their own network. Entertainment Tonight is all about the comings and goings of celebrities. For better or for worse, it seems that some people kind of worship celebrities. We love to love celebrities. But listen, they are just people. And they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you and I. And no mere person should ever be worshipped. And no thing should ever be worshipped. For God said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friend, honestly speaking, What do you treasure most in this life? What do you treasure the most above everything else in this life? Friends, whatever that is, whoever that is, that's where your heart is. And wherever your heart is, That is what you worship most of all. Just as the wise men worshipped baby Jesus, we too 
should deck our halls with worship. Now, I understand that it's okay to like things. We all have things that we like. It's certainly okay to love people. We all have people that we love. But we must never worship anything or anyone more than we worship God. And since Jesus Christ himself is the second person of the threefold godly revelation of God, Jesus should be the focus of our worship. Today I want to point out several verses that show us what happens when we sincerely worship the Christ, the Christ named Jesus. The first thing that begins to happen in our lives is worship will move us to give back. It will move us to give back. In Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to begin in verse 7. You know the story. The wise men have come from far off lands in the east. They're seeking Jesus. They're following that star. And they end up at the palace because that's where they think the Christ child is going to be born. And in verse 7, the king, Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time that star appeared. And Herod sent the wise men to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Can I tell you that worship ought to be wonderful. It ought to bring you to exceedingly great joy. And then in verse 11, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Did you notice that those wise men bowed in worship? Those wise men physically humbled themselves before this Christ child. When was the last time that you physically bowed in worship to God? When we prepare the children at CIA to pray, we always ask someone, Whose time is this? Who knows the answer? God's time, right? God's time. Then we say, okay, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's pray. Now, obviously, bowing is a great way to prepare yourselves to pray for God. But then what? After you've bowed, after you have physically humbled yourself, what happens then? I mean, do you begin to ask God for stuff? You begin to ask God to make us and our families well? 
Do we begin to ask God for comfort for that, that pet that we lost five years ago? Somebody say amen. Do we begin to ask God for help when times get tough? Or do we honor him? Do we honor him for who he is? Do we honor him for all he's done? Friend, do we thank him for his love that never ceases? Do we thank him for saving us from our sin? Friends, I think that daily, maybe even hourly, we ought to be worshiping God in that way. A Christian author named E.M. Bounds once wrote a book on prayer. And in that book on prayer, he wrote about General, Confederate General Stonewall Jackson. See, Stonewall Jackson was known as a man of prayer. And in one quote from Ian Bounds, Stonewall Jackson said, I have so fixed the habit of prayer in my mind that I am not going to raise a glass of water to my lips without thanking God for it. I mean, thanking God for a glass of water? That is worship. That's worship. You know, we're often aware, we're often thankful for the big things in life. We're so grateful for those big blessings in our life. But what about the day-to-day small stuff that God blesses us with in our lives? You know, like a drink of water. Like a plate of food. Like three square meals a day. Are you thankful for the small things like a warm bed and a house to live in? Are you thankful for a car that don't break down all the time? Some of the time, but not all the time. Are you thankful, friend, for a good job to help pay your bills? I want to encourage you today, don't only count your blessings. Consider the source of those blessings. Friends, don't count your blessings without blessing the giver of those blessings, even the small ones. Friends, that's worship. That's daily worship, maybe even hourly worship. These wise men of old, they physically bowed down and they worshiped the Christ. They bowed and prayed. And then they bowed and they praised. That's worship. But not only did these wise men physically bow in worship, they also gave those gifts, didn't they? They gave those gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Can I tell you, that's worship. That's worship. Now, the gold that they gave was really the only gift that was fit for a king. And that gift acknowledged that Jesus Christ, this Christ child, was going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then there was that gift of frankincense. Now, frankincense was a very expensive resin that smelled absolutely amazing when it was burned. And it was often used in the worship of God. So as that smoke from the frankincense rose to the heavens, 
It was a symbol of God's holiness and God's righteousness. And frankincense recognized that this Christ child, God in the flesh, this Christ child was Emmanuel, God with us. And then there was that myrrh. Myrrh was a spice that was used in embalming the dead. That don't sound like a very good birthday present to me. Amen? But this gift of myrrh proclaimed that this God King, Jesus, this Christ child, would give back. This Christ child would give himself up and die for us as a sacrifice for sin. My point is this, y'all. These were not cheap gifts. My point is, these gifts were not just leftovers after they paid their bills. My point is, these were not just a couple of bucks thrown into the offering plate. These were first-rate gifts. These were top-of-the-heap gifts. These gifts were the richest gifts that could be given. I mean, to worship the Lord means you give back a portion of what he's given us. You got to admit, God has been a very good giver to us. Somebody say amen. He's been a very good giver to us. And the way I see it, I wouldn't have a single thing if it weren't for Jesus Christ. I wouldn't have nothing. And so as a result of that, I know that my Bible teaches me that as a Christian, I'm called to give 10% of what God has given to me to give back to God. But you know what I say? 10%, that's a great start. But my God deserves a whole lot more than that. In fact, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, whoever sows sparingly, that is, whoever puts seed in the ground sparingly, will also harvest sparingly. But whoever sows generously, he will also reap and harvest generously. He goes on to say, each person should give Give as he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under pressure, because God loves a cheerful giver. And I thought to myself, well, why on earth would God love a cheerful giver? Well, one of the reasons that God loves a cheerful giver is because he is a cheerful giver. Amen? The one reason that he loves a cheerful giver is because imitation may be the greatest form of worship as we imitate our God who is such an incredible giver. You see, friend, God gives us a choice. He says, you can give or you can keep it for yourself. You can give or you can keep it for yourself. But friend, how can we not give to a God who has so richly given us? How can we not worship 
God in every way, but especially in this area of material things. In worship, we give back, but not only financially. Because not only do we give back those resources, we're also called to give back a portion of our time. Give back a portion of our time to God. He calls us to give back a portion of our effort to God. Certainly of our possessions and our focus. He calls us to give a portion of our devotion. He calls us to give a portion of our affection and our enthusiasm and our love. Worship moves us. It moves us to give back. But worship also moves us to serve. To serve Christ. Listen to what um, Acts chapter 13, the Bible says. They were talking about a church that was in Antioch. And in that church were prophets and teachers by the name of Barnabas and Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and a fellow named Saul who would later become known as the Apostle Paul. And when they ministered to the Lord and fasted, a form of worship, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then, having fasted and prayed, having worshipped, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. And being sent out by the Holy Spirit of God, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. You see, worship moves us to serve Christ. Because of worship, Christians are moved to action. We are moved to action. While worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of these men, and they were moved to serve the Lord. They were moved to serve because the Holy Spirit not only worked in them, but was working through them. But it all started. It all started as a result of their worship. They were fasting and they were praying. And the Lord moved in them, encouraging them to serve. You see, when a person is dramatically impacted by another, it causes change in their life. When a person is strongly affected in one way or the other by another, it moves them to act or react in a certain way. Think about this. Many a young boy, many a young boy has aspirations of playing in the big leagues. Why? Because they've been watching and they've been imitating Players in the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball. Take, for example, future Hall of Fame baseball player Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens greatly admired, he imitated, he respected another pitcher by the name of Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan, 
pitched from 1968 to 1993. He was a right-handed pitcher who routinely could throw a pitch over 100 miles an hour, even past the age of 40. And Nolan Ryan watched him, imitated and respected him. And as a boy, Roger Clemens would, would often sneak into the Houston Astrodome so that he could watch his hero, the Ryan Express. It was his admiration of Ryan. It was his worship of Ryan that changed the course of Roger Clemens' life and ultimately moved him to action. You see, what we worship, what we follow, who we imitate, who we admire is often what we want to become. So in preaching to a room full of believers on Christ Jesus, can I ask you this question? Can you truly say that you want to become like Jesus? Do you truly want to become like Christ? Friend, if you do, just do what he did. Jesus served his father, and then Jesus served other people. It's just that simple. You see, true and sincere worship moves God's people to action. Worship moves us to serve the Lord. Worship moves us to serve other people in one capacity or another. It's where it begins. Sincere worship. It moves people, yes, to give back to Christ, but it also moves us to serve Christ in some capacity. But then there's another way. Worship also moves us to draw near to God. In Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that on the worship day, on the Sabbath day, we, Luke says, went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and we spoke to the women who were meeting there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. That's where you get your name, I'll bet. Lydia was a seller of purple clothing from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God and the Lord opened Lydia's heart to heed the things that were spoken by the Apostle Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. Lydia was just a businesswoman she was attending this prayer meeting with some other ladies. And there's no doubt, the Bible says that she worshiped God. So she already knew God, but she wanted to know more. She wasn't satisfied with her current level of understanding about God or the things of God. And while attending that one particular prayer meeting, Paul and Silas 
show up. And Paul spoke to all those women that were meeting at the riverside. And at least one of them was moved to act. Lydia, she already believed. But after hearing the Apostle Paul, her belief went deeper. She wanted more. She wasn't satisfied with where she was at. She wanted to go deeper with God. She believed. But now she believed even more. Friends, can I tell you that worship moves us to go deeper. When you truly and sincerely worship God, you will be moved to go deeper with God. Lydia was so moved toward God that she was baptized, and then through her testimony to her family, they were all baptized as well. What does that tell us? That tells us that what we do in our lives does have an effect on our families. Moms and dads, you ever forget that? What you do does have an effect on your family. If you raise your family in the faith, while there's no guarantee, it is more likely that they will raise their families the same way. If you're faithful to serve the Lord then there's probably a pretty good chance that your kids will too. However, if your faith and your worship really doesn't mean much to you, why on earth would it mean anything to them? If you look at serving God as a royal pain in the neck, kids are probably going to look at it serving the Lord the same way. If Jesus is not a priority in your life, it will not be in theirs either. If prayer is not important to you, moms and dads, neither will it be important to your kids. If drawing close to God is something that you really could care less about, and when your kids need something more than just this superficial relationship with God, they will not have it. Lydia drew near to God. And as a result, so did her family. As she drew near to God, God led her and her family to surrender to him in faith and obedience. You see, that's what happens. Anytime that you truly worship the Lord in true humility, you won't be able to help going deeper with God. You won't be able to help getting closer to God. Now, many people in our church and many others, many people have been moved in worship and as a result, they've been led to surrender to God. They've been led to be baptized. They've been led to learn their Bible. They've been led to grow in their faith. They've been led to begin serving the Lord. 
honest and sincere worship. They do what they must to draw near to God. And they do it because the Bible commands them. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, the Bible is clear saying, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Hebrews chapter 12 continues later, saying, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for God is our consuming fire. He's our everything. So how do we worship God acceptably? Well, we worship him with a sincere heart. We worship him with a clean heart. We worship him with a faithful heart, with a servant's heart, with a thankful heart. And we do it daily, not just on Sunday. Friend, the only way that's ever going to happen is when you first place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made for you on the cross. So during our Christmas celebration, friends, let's deck the halls with our worship of God. And in so doing, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be moved. You're going to be moved. You're going to be moved to give back to Christ. You're going to be moved to serve the Christ. You're going to be moved to draw near to God. You just can't help it when you truly and sincerely worship this child called Jesus. So today, not only can you give back, not only can you serve the Lord, but you can draw near Draw near to God by accepting his gift of salvation made possible by Jesus Christ. The only question I'm going to ask is will you? Will you accept his gift of salvation? Will you accept it today? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for teaching us to worship. Lord, thank you for teaching us to give back. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us to serve you. And thank you, Lord, for making a way whereby we can draw near to you through the sacrifice and the gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there is one here today that's ready to move and give their lives to Christ, Lord, we pray that you would move in that person's spirit. And Lord, that they'd be drawn to you as never before. And Lord, that they would be the kind of husbands and wives and moms and dads and Christian believers and church members that you want them to be. Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you would send the only begotten Son of God, Jesus, to save us from our sins. For that, we are moved. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Amen.